Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at the 12 disciples in us. Did you know you have 12 disciples in your psyche? There are 12 psychological disciples in you? That's true. My name is Curtis Schultz, and I'll be your host. To my left is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Hey, what's up, Jonathan? Or <laughs> should I say elbow touch? Because, yeah, so this episode is a little bit altered because there's a worldwide pandemic here and everybody's working their best to get through it in the ways that we can. And one thing we want to say is that means our Tucson event that we were going to do is canceled. Dr. Jonathan Rose was going to go out to Tucson to try to meet up with a bunch of you, but instead we're, we're here online and that's going to be rescheduled. And we'll that's update right. you shortly on that, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Should we do this fake? Like I'm pretending to look at you thing the whole time. Yeah, right? I've, I've been. Yeah. Let's do a headbutt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, we want you to like and subscribe to this channel. Do we have to say why? It's because it's just for fun. Well, we want to see that number go up, and we want to be able to give you content. Click the bell if you hadn't already, because this is going to let you know. Here, here's when we can learn some real stuff about what, what, how would you not want to know if there were 12 people inside your own mind. Man. Okay, this, and this is not something that we just pulled out of nowhere because this is something you were asking about. We try to do this show mm -hmm. based on what you're all wondering about. Actually, a guy named Tom E., thanks for watching, asked this uh, during two shows. We had two Q&A shows. First, our show on karma, communication from angels, and the lake of fire. But then we also had a show uh, on the origin of evil, praying to spirits, and competition. I looked the same in both of those shows. <laughs> And in both of those, we didn't, didn't have time to get to this question. So obviously we felt bad, and we decided, let's put a whole mm. show, dedicate a whole show to this. Tom E. asks, does Emmanuel Swedenborg offer any explanation for Matthew 16, mm. verse 19? What is loosed and bound on earth is loosed and bound in heaven. Mm. So that is going to lead us into this conversation because Jesus, in, in brief, what, what is the, the, the summary of that situation in the Bible, Jonathan? Well, it's a statement that's actually made to the disciple Peter, but then it's also made a couple of chapters later to all the disciples. And so this really gets us into who are those disciples and what do they stand for, which is where the title of our show came from. And this is where Jesus says, you know, I'm going to hook you up so that whatever you do on earth happens in heaven, it sounds like. What's that mean? Isn't that this was sort of the root of uh, a lot of the Catholic Church's doctrine about the papacy, right? Yes, I think so. That that power was passed down through Peter. He was the first pope in effect. And okay. That's so, right. so that has some consequence. What's it all mean for each of us individually in this moment, whether or not we're interested in Christianity at all? Here's, let's get into that now, starting with the icebreaker. If you're watching this, leave your answers to this question in the comments because we'll have answers to it. You'll see how that links up with all the material here, but we'd love to hear what's going on for each of you, you know, inside your hearts and minds because everyone's going to see the truth and feel the love just a little bit differently. So here's the question we're posing to ourselves and to all of you to get us into the right frame of mind. What are some concepts or feelings that can help connect us with heaven? What are some concepts or feelings? Hey, do you know how to Connect with heaven, Dr. John, would you please, like, let, let, what's your secret sauce that gets you to be in such a wow. great state of mind and life? It's a hard question to answer in a way because I think so many of the concepts that Swedenborg gives are the things that you need to know to connect with heaven, you know, to think. I was just translating something today, actually, editing a passage that talked about if our thoughts are in alignment with the angels, you know, uh, like if you're thinking certain things, you can you can be in alignment with heaven to a better degree. So all sorts of concepts about life after death and who God is and so on that we talk about a lot on this show. But I also think on the feeling side, but definitely like um, humility, I think is is really important. That that's kind of a fundamental uh, one. Uh, how about you? Yeah, cool that he separates it out into concepts and feelings. It's very Swedenborgian. Uh, or, or that this this or this question does, um, yeah. because yeah, you you can have all kinds of concepts, but unless they're connected to a heavenly feeling, you can't get that heaven connection. And it sort of 
drills into what is the nature of heaven. And we know that it's happiness. Everybody talks about heaven like, oh, this is heaven. It's so happy. But what exactly is heavenly happiness? Mm. And in particular, it is a love of being useful to the whole human race. So I would think, and, and whole human race sounds really big. So I guess a better way to put it is the common good. Or, or, what, or what in its own essence is good or right or true or fair. How do I do something because it is, what, some kind of platonic, the ideal, the, the right thing to do, not because of how it relates to me, but because this is what is good in this moment. So whenever I'm feeling like, oh yeah, I, I, when I can get excited about the, the health, you know, and, the, and I've really been thinking about this with the, with the epidemic that we're in, of, okay, what, what do I do? How do I do social distancing? Whatever needs to happen. Because I'm not just thinking about, okay, well, I could get sick, but think about everybody else and that I've got to do my part. It's absolutely, I feel like that must be a little taste of, even in the midst of all this hell of heaven, to say, well, I want to take steps to protect the common good. You know? That's right. And it sort of makes me think about that concept of the neighbor uh, because the Bible uh, doesn't overtly talk about every single person on the planet, it just says your neighbor or kind of thing, because right. that's who you actually interact with, who, who you have dealings with, and you want that to ripple outward to cover everybody. And it is a weird situation with the coronavirus where some of the best things you can do for people is not to be around them, not to hug them, you know, stuff like that. Virtual hug. Okay, people have stopped <laughs> watching. Ah. Now, now, why did we start with that question? Because shouldn't the question have been, What's your favorite disciple? So what does these yeah, feelings right. and concepts have to do with these 12 historical people that follow Jesus? Let's begin our journey there. And what does that a lot have to do with them being able to bind and loose? Let's begin our journey there in the setup. The whole Bible is an allegorical story about spiritual development and rebirth. Up the mic. I mean, that's that's what Swedenborg <laughs> came out swinging, saying that when he and you can correct me. That's right. Just make the, the like make a face as soon as I get something wrong. <laughs> he came out of the gates, you know, a, not a theologian prior, publishing this this work that's now translated Secrets of Heaven, which was all that. It's like I'm walking through yeah. the beginning of the Bible and telling you how this is all a correspondential. Co commentary or representation of really spiritual development and rebirth and things like that that you wouldn't think when you're just reading the the text of it, you know? Yeah, over and over again. You're absolutely right. That's the core message right right from the get-go. Thank you for the affirmation. And the stories in there, Swedenborg does not say that God wrote those stories. Even though he says that every word has this very specific meaning, it is this divine revelation, he doesn't think it appeared magically, that it did happen through people. But yeah. we people are always guided by something, and providence is, is ultimately guiding everything, guided those stories to be written in a particular way that the words that form the outer story can hold the inner story within them. Right. Yeah, so you've got sort of three things in there, don't you? You've got the, like, what happened, and that needed to look, you know, like, like it needed to reflect these correspondences. And yes. then how did you write it down? Yes. Right? You yes. know, maybe that's only two. I don't know. But <laughs> Where is the third? <laughs> uh, so I'm a little rusty right now. <laughs> no, it's easy to get your twos and threes. <laughs> but, but wait, so let's stay on numbers for a second because w there's a number very important to today, which is 12. Yeah. And that in these stories... It has a how, one and a two in it. <laughs> how, how they happen. You're, you're in specialties. <laughs> okay, so um, in... These t stories where these groups of 12 appear, or multiples of 12, this is all across the Bible and often in very important places. Would you r walk us through, look, where, where are some places that 12 pops up in the Bible? Yeah, you, you've got a bunch of places. You have the 12 tribes of Israel, of course, which right. is a very interesting situation because really there were 14 of them, but, but they, you know, they, they fastened on the, on the number 12. There are 12 stones on Aaron's breastplate that you see right there. Yep. And there were 12 stones that were set up as a memorial in the Jordan River, uh, which were also had to do with those tribes. These are yeah, the, very important, you know, 
parts of the story. None of these are just yeah. throwaway things. No, they're, they're sort of like fundamental markers and things. In the New Testament, you go to the book of Revelation, you've got the image of that holy city coming down from heaven. It's full of twelves. It's got 12 gates made of 12 pearls. There are 12 angels at the gates with the names of the 12 tribes on them. There are 12 foundations, 12 kinds of stone in the foundations. The city is 12,000 furlongs long. And the wall is 144 cubits. Well, you say, well, wait, that's not 12. Yeah. No, it's 12 squared. <laughs> right. So it's like 12. It's, it's just as 12-y as you can make anything. Yeah. And these are not the only examples from Scripture. And what Swedenborg saw was that 12 is a number that really means all the different kinds of faith and love that you need. Like faith and love come in various different flavors and varieties. And 12 is the number that symbolizes the whole set. Okay. So, so being steeped in that, and if we know that throughout, and there are many shows we've done, there are many places in Sweden work to go look at how this 12 all lines up. But if we take that as a premise, then, and Jesus coming to fulfill the word, you know, be, be this crucial part of it, Jesus gathering these 12 disciples suddenly isn't just about like, oh, how many people are free right now? 12? So he gathered these 12 main disciples to follow him as his closest companions. It doesn't mean that they were better than all the other people. This is something that's a little bit subtle to explain about correspondences, right? Is that they, because they were there and they were 12, they could represent these qualities, these, all these qualities that bring us to the Lord, we talked about. That is what the 12 disciples are. But it doesn't mean that the character of each of those people was necessarily perfect. But what they did was they were there at the right time, so they could be written about, and their actions displayed a commitment to follow and learn from Jesus. Uh, There's there's a... Swedenborg describes it briefly here uh, from Secrets of Heaven. The Lord's 12 disciples, like the 12 tribes of Israel, represented all aspects of faith and love. Just, Just like you were saying. Yeah. And uh, in the New Testament, every time Jesus is talking to his disciples, it represents the Lord talking to these various different qualities in us. So it's, it's very pointed. It's not just sort of random what happens or who Jesus is talking to. Can I stop you there for a second? Sure. Because it's just hitting me now how awesome that is. Because mm. don't we all need a little bit of help from the Lord? Aren't we all sort of, especially yeah. now, like, can you help us out? Are we here? Yeah. yeah. Are you here? We know we're here, we think. But what do we get? If we get a divine revelation, oh, you're telling me about how you spent all this time with these 12 guys that I don't know them and what, what do they have to do? That's yeah. what you wanted to tell me? But if it were setting up that these are the different parts of our minds, wow, this is awesome. I'm getting like a little bit of goosebumps. This is the stuff in us. And this is telling us right now how God mm. is talking to us even though it may seem like there's no communication there, these are the things in you that are hearing and responding, then that is universal. That is about spiritual growth and redevelopment. That is more, sounds a little, smells a little more like divine revelation, right? So Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And so uh, the question that we had at the beginning of the show is based on an interchange that Jesus had with Peter, who was in many ways kind of the lead disciple, or he's certainly very prominent. And uh, so this was uh, from Matthew 16, uh, verse 13 to 19. I'll just read this here. Okay. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Gal- uh, came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist." You know, this is a big question: like, who is Jesus, yeah. and what do people think he is? Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Sort of like a man on the street interview. Yeah, Jaywalking right. or something. Yeah. And he's doing little, little, and then he said to them, but who do you say that, oh, okay, the test just got a little more difficult there, <laughs> because it's sort of like easy to report. Well, I heard one guy say this, you know, but it's like, who do you say that I am? And listen to what Simon Peter said. And it's very interesting that they use both of his names here. He had two names, Simon and Peter. And he answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
This is not something you get through your own mind kind of thing, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Now, you have to get this pun in the Greek because Peter means rock in, oh. in Greek. Is you are Peter. Joke? Yeah. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, wait, he's saying huge stuff here. Yeah. Right? Wait, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, here's, here's our question. Here we are downtown, right? Yeah. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven well that's really weird isn't it because it's like saying that the th action that you take in this world uh would have an effect on the other world like they just have to stand around and wait for you to do something they go well we have to tie this one because you know peter did it so peter down there who's a person instead of an angel but that was a loaded right. question who do you say that i am uh, you're Jesus. You're, God. you're right. And guess what? You are going to have more power than any other thing in the universe. <laughs> that is a huge. Yeah. You get a really good prize for answering that question. That's right. And when you said that Peter, which I never knew, means rock, it just come on. Of course, this is come symbolic. <laughs> right. Like I'm going to. You're this. Like Jesus had twelve disciples. One of them was named Rock. It's obviously a symbol for something. Amazing. Okay. Where does it go from here? I'm on I'm edge of my seat at this point. Yeah. And I just want to add that Simon is the same as the Old Testament name Simeon, who was one of the 12 tribes. And Simeon means hearing. So he's got, he means hearing and he means a rock. Uh, that's what Simon Peter right. means. Um, and so in a way, you can kind of see even from just the literal meaning of the Bible there that what Peter stands for in that story is that acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Like, that's that's the rock. And just to take a little side tangent for a second, you can kind of tell because eight verses later, uh, Jesus calls him Satan and tells him to get behind him. You know, <laughs> he's like, it wears off pretty quick, you know. So, uh, so it's not about Peter as a person. It's about what he stands for and that acknowledgement. He gives him the, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against you, the leader of hell, eight verses later. <laughs> so there's something afoot here. Yeah, isn't the Bible wonderful? But, but suddenly, if it's a quality, if it's one person, if it's one person, Peter, who this is about how big Peter is in the scale of humanity, right? Right. And you're going to give him, that one person, control over the church and, and all this stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It, 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 you cannot tell right. the story of the human race centered around a single individual or two. Um, and you do have a succession planning issue there because he's going to die. Like, yeah. okay, who's going to run heaven and earth when he's gone? But if, you're, if, that, if there is a, that, st that rock and that listening are in every single person and to everyone mm. all the time, always, God is saying directly, this is where... I'm going to start. Oh. This is where we're going to be strong. Then I'm, you got my attention. This is suddenly credible, and we could get something out of this. So, right. So what, 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 is, cool. what is Peter? That we have a rock in us. Right. Well, do you have that quote uh, from uh, Secrets of Heaven 2760? Do you have that? Wait, do we got to do, um, there's a lower third first. Oh, is there? Look at this. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Peter in the Word means the truth of the church's faith that teaches good actions done out of caring. What does that so, mean? So, it's the truth of the church's faith. So it's the truth, it's the, what's actually solid. You know, the church teaches all kinds of things, but some of it's actually true. And so it's the truth <laughs> of that faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, no, you know, no harm intended. And, uh, and what is it, what's the core teaching is good actions done out of caring. So it's a teaching about love. Okay, so so if this is this is some instructions like that what Peter is is the actionable higher knowledge that can lead to good to, to good effects through through us. That right. that is what's powerful. That is where 
God can build the church because everything else, mm. you know, obviously evil actions aren't helpful. Um, knowledge without doing anything isn't helpful, being misguided, but having mm. the truth and being able to act on that so that you can do something for me and I can do something for you, that that's where the church is and that that is what has power against hell. I buy that. Wow, yeah. I buy that. And that's the foundation stone. You're going to build the whole structure. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. All so that starts to make sense. Now here's the number that everyone's okay. been, been asking for. That, that's right. Okay. We've been getting calls about it. <laughs> now, wait, can you explain? Look at this. For, for those, the Swedenborg nerds out there, what's this preface in parentheses? Ah, well, you see, um, Swedenborg now and then wrote a preface to some uh, volume that was in midstream kind of thing, uh, and he didn't actually give it a number. And so it becomes between number 2759 and number 2760. So if you look in some texts, there's actually two 2760s because they put the number on it. So this is the preface part of 2760. This, so this is like way, way back sense. into the vinyl collection. Like this is some <laughs> real vintage stuff. Or this is That's some right. obscure indie. You like this number before it was cool. That's what we're saying. Yeah, People who right. stress the literal meaning think that these words that we're talking about here have to do with Peter and that he was personally given this immense power. Immense. Wait, but wait a second here. Yet they know that Peter lived an extremely simple life, that he never exercised this kind of power, and that to do so would be an assault on God's divinity. Yeah, if Peter has all the power in the world, but can bind and lose heaven and earth and can prevail against the gates of Hades and the whole Lord's church is built on him, you don't really hear a peep from him. I mean, he's got an epistle in there, right, or two, but he's, he's not in those doing these amazing... It almost should be like his story is, is he's not, greater than Jesus's, right? I mean, if he had that power, but... Right? You just don't see it. That's right. He's very humble. He, he ends up weeping bitter tears because he didn't believe the Lord at the crucifixion. You know, I mean, he's, he's a very human sort of person. So, so let's see what Swedenborg says. In reality, the inner meaning of the words is that it is faith in the Lord that has this power. Mm. And such faith exists only in people who love the Lord and show kindness to their neighbor. And so go think, mm. it's a little mystical, right? Because... You could think, oh, faith in the Lord means I really believe that, that there's Jesus and I really believe he can do things or something. But right. to say that, that faith only exists in people who love the Lord and show kindness to their neighbor. Mm. Um, which, again, those two, those two have to go together. Because you could say, oh, I really love the together. Lord. I lo even though we know Swedenborg sometimes technically, technically defines that as actually loving what is good and the neighbor is what is true. Yeah, Even if you broke right. it out into it, the appearance and said, oh, I love the person of the Lord, you don't necessarily have to be nice. To, to everyone, but the idea that only something that leads you to kindness to the neighbor ha is yeah. faith. That's something that must be different than we think it is. And has that transformative power and that power against hell. Right. Yeah. Even at mm. that, it is not faith, but the Lord, the source of faith, who has the power. And as I mentioned earlier, even in the literal meaning of uh, Matthew, you can tell, I mean, it's really weird that people haven't focused on this because there's been a lot of attention to the fact that Peter was given this power. But I've hardly ever heard anybody talk about the fact that all the disciples were given the same power two chapters later, <laughs> which is sort of like, well, so Peter's sort of like, well, wait, wait, uh, suddenly everybody's in the club? Here? Yeah. You know, I, I thought I got the special deal here. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Um, I, I would have done a little more if I'd known I only have two chapters to be the the sole leader of of the yes, church on right. earth and everything. I would have jumped on this if I knew you were going to hand it out day after yeah. tomorrow. But then, uh, if we've got 12 people with the, the greatest superpowers you can essentially have, why is there any evil anymore? Why isn't everything solved? Yeah, God gave right. out all this power, right? So, mm -hmm. go, but go ahead. Re, le, I want to. Yeah, let's hear that listen passage. to Matthew eighteen verses eighteen to twenty. So, truly, I tell you, this is Jesus talking to all the disciples. Whatever you plural bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Sounds familiar. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then listen to what else he says. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth, there's earth again, about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. 
for where two or three are gathered in my name. See, no wonder I was having trouble with my twos and threes, you know? I am there among them. <laughs> totally a, a forgivable offense. <laughs> now listen, wait a second, man. So they must have had a really hard time agreeing. Because were, were they not all passionately trying to spread <laughs> the church of Christianity? This was what they, what they were doing after yeah. Jesus died. This is basically all-consuming for them. Right. And yet, it took many hundreds of years for it to catch on and, and never encompassed the entire earth. So you're saying in that time, two of them could never quite agree that, okay, let's just have everyone be Christian. Let's agree on it, and it's going to happen. If that's all it took. So it's got to yeah. be allegorical. It's got to be symbolic. And anything you ask. Yeah, but now because yeah, that's curious. huge. What, yeah. is, what is that two or three gathered together? What's that, what's that mean? Well, again, it's talking the spiritual qualities in the mind, and I think it's meaningful that they come in the order that they do, because it's like the first part of you that gets it is that part that's hearing. Um, you know, that Peter's name means hearing and the rock. That's the first part that's sort of like, oh, I hear that. I, I'm, not, I'm not only just hearing that, I'm really listening, and I, I need to deploy this in my life. Like, I need to be more compassionate or something. That's sort of a foundation, but really all these different forms of faith and love. Um, and we'll have a couple more examples later in the show. Sure. Uh, uh, have, have this attribute. It's still so weird to think about anybody being able to bind something on earth and that would have this impact on heaven. That's still, we haven't explained that yet, but that's still pretty strange. Well, and it's got to be that, that this, these are the qualities that bind us to the Lord. And, and if they, we're talking mm. about heaven and earth, it's got to be inside of us. Well, there's four short quotes for you about okay. this binding and loosing sentence. It. And we're going to be hearing truths and goods in here. Don't panic. You okay. Think of those as ideas and motivations that can lead to actions. It's a little Swedenborgianese. These things were said to the disciples because they represented all truth and goods, truths and goods from the Lord in the aggregate. So another way to think about it is everything that comes out of the Lord, every, every accurate idea, and accurate with a capital A, meaning sees right. the whole picture, right. could, is not taken out of context. Mm. And then every desire to, to do, to, every desire in line with God's desire, which God's desire is the eternal happiness of every single right. created person in the universe, right? Those together everything that leads to god's plan that's what the disciples represent this 12 of them okay and, and all as you mentioned before and all good action that comes out of that desire like you know the actual doing of good right and i like the fact that it throws in from the lord in there that that's that's just cool like it looks like it's just about these 12 people but these are actually qualities obviously that come from the divine yeah which shows the divine's already inside us in that way okay next one this means that all things are possible to those who are in truths from goodness from the Lord. Oh, all that sort of whatever you ask and all that stuff. What's, <clears throat> so he says this to the disciples, but what it means is that anyone who manages to link that truth with a compassionate heart and a life of service uh all these possibilities open up. And I think we're going to dig deeper in this episode into just what does that mean, that, that you can have whatever you want? Does it just mean that? And you can have right. as big of a house as you want? You can, you can stuff your bank account through mind power? Well, sort of, but we'll, we'll get to it. It actually yeah. has to do with what you end up wanting. Okay, next one of these. This means that heaven is opened by the Lord to those who are in truths from goodness from Him. So there's how we're getting to heaven and earth. Heaven is opened, right. Heaven is opened, yeah, very interesting. Okay, n last right. one. As soon as goodness is implanted in truths with a person, he or she is conjoined, you could also say that, bound with the angels. Oh, yeah, right. So, and so that's a first step. Right. Bound, bound with angels, as in, there's, your mind is always bound up with something. It can be bound up if you're if you're living in selfishness and materialism. It's mm. bound up in what Swedenborg would call hell. We're, we're getting our newsfeed in from there. But the more that we bind with what's good and true, the more we are hanging out in angelic society and and taking those vibes in, and that's that's affecting mm. who we are. 
So that's not so bad to get bound up with. Yeah, and the um, there were it, it's. I would think that if you were trying to show, you know, the embodiment of love, you come into the world, you're Jesus. Right. You would treat those twelve disciples very equally. You got no favorites yeah. or whatever. But there were three disciples that got way more attention than than the other nine. Uh, there's way more stories about them, and these represent three qualities that are especially close to the Lord. These are Peter, James, and John. So Peter means that faith that we were just talking about. James is neighborly love. So that's that feeling we've been talking about. And John equals good actions done in the spirit of neighborly love. There's various different reasons why you could do good actions. But John is doing them out of a genuine concern and regard for how other people are doing, not just because you want to get ahead in the world or something. The funny thing about the numerical symbolism is, isn't three also a symbol for all? in yes. <laughs> correspondences. So you have 12, which is right. all, but these are the subcategories because everything that's in those 12 fits under these. So Jesus is addressing those three individually so we can focus right. on them. That really, in a way, covers everything. Because, you know, it, it's not like it's just a subset. Right. And, right. and God cannot be thinking more often about one person than another. Or, or extending more interest or care towards one person over another. It's impossible because suddenly you, you're either because either you don't have enough attention to go around mm. and you're a finite, limited thing, or it's because you actually like some people better than others, but it's your fault how the people are. You made the people. Yeah, you can't just... <laughs> I, well, that, that James is really cool, but this he, other... He I don't even know the well. names of the other ones. That, that guy's a dork. You made us! You made us how we are. You can't do that. So, of course, though, if, if you're saying... Look, these are the nerve centers of these everything else that's in you. Of course, I'm addressing these parts more. Mm-hmm. This is actually to educate us more easily and to help organize it in our own mind. And I want to linger for a second on that gathered together in my name. Oh, okay. Because it's when we've done a whole episode, so we're not making this up now. We did a whole episode on the spiritual meaning of names, right? A oh, name that's right. is the quality of who you are, the motivation behind you, the the, the nature. Hey, look at this. Oh, we were, I, I didn't even realize that we're about to... Okay, this is the spiritual meaning of names, right? So we've, we checked that episode. We already laid this out. Um, and in it, we say the name is the quality. So to gather the things in your mind in the name, gathered in my name, it means put those ideas or those actions, whatever they are, whatever those disciples are, with the, the spirit, the, the intent, the motivation of um. love to the whole human race, which is what the name mm. of God is, then it can do something? Come on, like that's cool. That kind of spirit of healing and teaching and all, that's, that's the name. That's cool. Yeah, when, so yeah, when I ideas, like motivations, and actions, these three important disciples are gathered together in harmony with the Lord's ideas and motivations, then the Lord is present. That, that's how you get the Lord in you. You put, not, not just one though, it's these things gathered together. And that's what a divine Two love and wisdom... three. It's always getting together like that. This is Secrets of Heaven 2009. The following words make it clear that God's name or the Lord's is everything faith teaches about love and charity. A theology symbolized by believing in his name. What's it mean to believe in the name of Jesus? Which when Swedenborg says the Lord's, he's talking about Jesus. What's that mean? What's the name of Jesus? Believing in the name. Yeah. Sorry, I I, I keep cutting you off because of this like, uh, you know distance learning we're doing, but I, I apologize. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no. I'm interrupting. Go um, for it. We'll let the, we'll let the crowd decide. Uh, was Curtis just a little too pushy? <laughs> a theology symbolized by believing in his name. That's what I was getting so fired up about. What are you talking about, believe in the name? What's that even mean? Unless it yeah. is, like if we do something, like uh, it wasn't so long ago, it was Martin Luther King Day in the United States, and it's like you're doing that in the name of Dr. King, right? And what, what he stood for, right? When you do stuff on that day that's in the name of... So it, to, be, to do something in the name of Jesus, it's what is Jesus. And so this everything that faith teaches about love and charity. That's what Jesus was, this embodiment of this teaching, mm. reaching out to the human race. So of course, the, the believing in his name has to do with not just believe that he exists or that he has power, but, but believe in and follow what he does, right? Mm. As many as did accept him, to them he gave the power to be God's children. 
to those believing in his name. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. For whatever you ask the Father in my name, he gives to you. That, man, I want to stop on all these because how are you going to have, because obviously you can ask God for things and God does not give you those things. Because right. I've tried it. And it, yeah, I, I tried it once too. Yeah. If if it worked, you know, I would be I would be in 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 the islands. But in the name of Jesus, so you that means you're asking for the Father, you asking God in the name of all the good and true things faith teaches. Once you believe those and you want to go with those, then you the things you want to ask change. Oh, it's like okay. in the, in the Bible. When he says, you know, what do you want? You can have anything. I want a wise and understanding heart. Oh, you can get that. That's yeah. something. You, and, when you, and faith lets you realize that that actually is more valuable mm. than the other stuff. These things I am commanding to you to love one another. In Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. People gathered in the Lord's name mean those who live by faith's teachings on love and charity and therefore have love and charity themselves. Mm. And yeah. so now, for more about all of that, you can see our show about the name of God. I mean, yeah, in, in the spiritual meaning of names. And there's another show that we did. The Ten Commandments. Hey, Jonathan, do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. The bleach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It, w- it was like, okay, you try to hit me with a hammer, I'll try to spray you with a bleach, and we'll see who wins. <laughs> no, but look, and there in the background is the spiritual meaning of names, because this was us going farther into God's name. And now we're right. in this episode, referencing both those episodes. It's just getting going back and back into infinity. I'm feeling dizzy. <laughs> okay, so uh, now we've set it up, right? We've got a sense of the name. That was quite a setup. It sure was. Uh, Now that we're here, now that we're all set up, we can't just go home. Let's see if we can dig deeper into this in our section, Three Seeds. So, for our first seed here, the qualities that the 12 disciples represent Mm. guide us to determine what we should hold on to. Here we're getting into the binding and loosing. Oh. Because the, what these, the qualities here that we're learning, faith, love, good actions, they bind us. If you're talking about the heaven and earth inside of us, they let us know, okay, this is what you should grab onto in life, and this is what you should let go of in life. Because oh, I like if, that. Yeah, in, the, in these qualities, in the spirit of, of the Lord, you are going to be able to, yeah, affect both your, your inner and connect your inner and outer self, and then separate from the things in the outer self that need to be mm. separated from. So this is, and this is how you enter heaven, by the way. The word says that 24 elders will sit on thrones and judge nations and peoples, and that the 12 apostles will likewise sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Anyone who does not know the word's inner meaning has to believe this is what will happen. The way to understand it, though, becomes clear when one learns the symbolism from the inner meaning. The 24 elders, 12 apostles, and thrones, so it's not even just the apostles, this, this is a consistent symbolism, all right. symbolize all truth taken together that provides a standard of judgment. And we not, oh. don't think of judgment as something to really be scared of when it comes to the Lord. You're thinking of this like sort of wise uh, investigation of things. I mean... Not, not yeah, to pause truth, for too long. The, the, yeah, the truth would include things like um, th- things that you couldn't help or things that, you know, extenuating circumstances or a compassionate view, of it, like, right? Like totally. I, but I it feel still like, has to come back to that bedrock of um, truth. Peter means that rock. Right. I, I think best illustrated in the near-death experience life review, if anyone has read mm. that, that in almost every near-death experience, people talk about go, somehow going back over their entire life. And more often than not, that it is sort of being evaluated as to its merits. Right. And nobody, absolutely nobody that I've ever read comes out of that saying, that was in- invasive and I didn't like that. Uh, th- like, sure, it could have been uncomfortable if they were negative, but they all come out of it defending the process. Meaning right. they, they, they are saying to us, the reader, no, it's okay. 
it, it was really, it was me judging myself. Really, the Lord was there to love me. It was in this spirit of love. Nobody right. comes out like, well, that was really mean and, and judgmental. That was harsh. Everyone sees the love in it and they feel it. Mm, Something similar is meant here by judging the people as one of the tribes of Israel. Not that judgment will be passed by any elders of theirs, but by truth itself, which they symbolize, and consequently mm. by the Lord alone, since all truth emanates from Him. Mm. Here's what Matthew says about the twelve apostles. Jesus said, You who have followed me in the rebirth when the Son of humankind sits on His glorious throne, you too will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And in Luke, I myself am arranging for you, as my Father arranged for me, a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Of course, this is not about twenty-four elders or twelve apostles, but about everything true and good in general, since no human, not even an angel, can judge anyone. None but the Lord alone can know a person's inner depths or the nature of those depths in the present or in the future to eternity. Not for lack of trying, but I love that. <laughs> that you, you can't really, we don't judge righteous judgment. We actually don't know anything. Uh, and, and yeah, that's right. So no one, not even any angel is going to be doing this judging. Again, that's about a quality from the Lord. Right, right. Yeah. And that, so all the disciples, they're sitting there. They're not really these founts of wisdom. They are right place, right time. They are there to hear Jesus and try to act on it. So the parts of us that can try to hear the Lord, however we can find that, they're mm. the, th- those are the parts that we want to have instructing us onto what do you grab and what do you lose. So if you start to think of individual disciples, like the, this, um, you know, the, the, the true ideas of faith or the love for our neighbor, listen to that, because we can certainly listen to the love mm. of our own reputation or the love of our oh. own wealth or power. That will tell you what to grab onto and what to let go of, but that's not the disciples. That's not letting it's not them gonna be a good. It's not going to be a good judgment. Yeah, Th- that's really good, isn't it? That's very actionable, helpful. Like, um, that's good. Right. And so that's some of the binding and loosing, and then I'm wondering about the, um, the earth and the heaven. Like, it yeah. seems the wrong way around. Why are you doing something on earth, binding and loosing on earth, and that has some impact on heaven? How, how does that work exactly? Well, uh, one of Swedenborg's sort of foundational teachings is that we have, we are a little microcosm, and we have a little earth and a little heaven in us. And, okay, now, okay, this is getting more personal again. You know, like you're talking about your earth is your outer self your lower self and your heaven is your higher self and so the change really needs to come about in the lower self first like you have to make a decision with your outer self and then that will affect the condition of your of your inner self we need to make conscious decisions so there's a secrets of heaven 89 that talks about this i think the earth symbolizes the outer self and heaven the inner self, and, drumroll please, reformation begins in the earth or the outer self. That's why why this binding and loosing is going on on the outside, and that has an effect on the inside. Well, that's because we are mostly in contact with the earth. If you think about it, physically, you live on the earth, you walk on the earth, you eat things that grow out of the earth. For us, in consciousness, what, what that is saying is the outer self is what we can really access regularly. And that's what we live in most of the time. Try to change your inner self. How, how do you get into that state? Do, you, do most people even think that there's right. such a thing? But everybody, the level of consciousness we're in, that's the one we can start from. Your outer self is the one that can make decisions. So that's why the outer self is doing the binding and the loosing. And it reminds me of an image you gave me at one point of, about you uh, walking along with your little daughter that like generally if you're out for a walk with her uh if she's on her own two feet you're not moving at your pace you're moving at her pace like if you represent the inner self and she's the outer self it's the outer self who's going to figure out oh are we going to stop and look at this forsythia are we going to go over here you know are we going to look at that like and it'll go at her her pace everything Uh, does not your pace you know what i mean everything does the outer self yeah. controls everything. Or if the outer self doesn't like something, 
you're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and again, we're not talking about a perfection here, but just a decision to move in a certain direction, a, a commitment to follow the Lord. Um, so that what we bind in our outer self will be bound in our inner self. Uh, here's a very interesting statement that I reflected on a lot when I was translating this, in True Christianity 109. Through the divine physical form the Lord added on in the world, meaning Jesus, his flesh, you know, that he was in, he enlightens not only our inner spiritual self, but also our outer physical self. If both of these are not enlightened at the same time, we're in shadow. But when they're both enlightened, at once, we are in daylight. If just our inner self is enlightened, but not our outer self, or if just our outer self is enlightened, but not our inner self, we are like people who are asleep and dreaming. Soon after they wake up, they remember their dream and make various false inferences based on it. We are also like sleepwalkers who think the things they see are in broad daylight. So there's a lot to unpack there, and we don't really have time to go deeply into it. But, but the, I think the gist of it is that it's incomplete if you don't have both. And your, your higher self could go to heaven and waltz around and have a fabulous time, eat strawberries and cream and everything it wanted to. But if your lower self is not along for the ride, you're not really all the way to the state that you want to be in. You know, you're going to bump back down in that lower self at some point. It's really got to be that the, they're both getting there. That seems to be very much the divine way, is not to create uh, superior, inferior pairings, where one is everything that's great and the other one is just sucking up air, or, or it's just there to be taught. Even, even the inner self... Um, is incomplete without the outer self. Even That's Earth, right. we talk about heaven and angels and the place you aspire to go to, the state of mind you aspire to be. No angel would be able to survive without the the service that people on Earth provide by being that their consciousness is connected intimately with our consciousness. It's just this very interconnected, non-hierarchical way that the Lord seems to arrange things, and I think you see it pretty clearly there. Right. And, and um, uh, the very fact that Jesus needed to come into this world has something to do with it. Right. Why couldn't he just do it from up, up in heaven? Just do it. it just you know? snapped... Or why not have an angel write the books instead of Swedenborg having to write them? You know, why did you need somebody down here? You need somebody on this level. It, it's, it's really important. This, this is evidence of that. The fact that there needs to be any of this at all is evidence that the grandest scale of this pairing is us and the Lord. Because if it was all the Lord, now everything good comes from the Lord, everything true comes from the Lord, the Lord is doing everything good. However, if if the Lord didn't need us at all, there wouldn't be any the Word and this process. It would just have been a thought without a thought, and everything would, we would never know there was a problem in the first place, everything would be fixed. There's something going on here where we, unfortunately, can gum up the process in some way, so that that if God goes about to solve a problem, it's through this very complex mechanism that has to Mm. reach us where we are and ask us. So there's something going on where the Lord needs us to participate for this thing to work. It's so like the Lord to make the outside equally valuable. You know, like some things sound like a hierarchy, but still he loves every level of it. And the outside is very, very important. Right. Okay, let's move on. Let's do our third scene here Um, and and move back to thinking about the the people of these disciples. uh, Because so in the New Testament, disciples make this commitment to follow Jesus. That's really what defines that's what being a disciple is, is they all left their lives, whatever they were doing Mm. before. There's that part in the story where it says, hey, you come over here, you come over here. And they ditch what they were doing and just go follow around. They they had this commitment to Jesus and they stuck to it, making, they're almost comical figures in some points with how many mistakes they make. That's not the issue. It's that they stick to their commitment. And because of that learning and that, that time with them, they do a lot, 
a lot or all of them go on to teach. You have all these epistles and things afterwards, right? Yeah, and if I could just interject a little thought about Judas, because he's always complicated in the 12, but um, he totally, you know, when, when Jesus called him, he was all in. Yep. You know, like he left everything and was part of it. I think he just made one big blunder at the end there, thinking that he could sort of force Jesus' hand and figuring that Jesus would for sure just sort of beat all the enemies and yeah. take over worldly power or something like that. Didn't didn't understand. So that was tragic. And he and he ended up hanging himself. At the end. It's but, well, it's but, true because there's every, still that spirit of like, no, I'm I'm on board. I'm going on this journey. You know? Because it's not that he betrayed him, got the silver, went and bought a nice cart or nice horses <laughs> he, upgrade a donkey upgrade he hung himself because he because he he said i i, I shouldn't have done that i ruined it you know i i feel terrible for what i've done so he had that commitment yeah. there regardless so that mm. that can be a good picture for us because a great way to not get this this discipleship in each of us going is to say oh well, i messed it up well i can't do it to expect that okay i'm gonna just say that i'm committed to doing this now and that's how i'm gonna change that's not how it goes but uh, when when we make that commitment with and there's only certain qualities in us that are going to want to commit to something like that in the first place to oh. go live in love and truth they those qualities that will commit right. at, will guide us. They're they're ours. They're fallible. They're they're not going to be perfect. It's not like you can say, well, I, this is my sense of of charity and good action. So everything it urges me to do, I know is the right thing to do. We don't have that kind of infallibility. We don't have that pure connection to the truth. But what if you're looking to say what in me is a disciple in the first place? Look for what has this overall desire to follow the Lord even if we don't always know how. And this is what is going to help lead us to what we mm. bind and loose. This is from Heaven and Hell, 479. A great deal of my experience has testified to the fact that we are our love or intention after death. So intention, not necessarily results, intention is what matters. Yeah, All heaven is dif- differentiated into communities on the basis of differences in the quality of love, and every spirit who is raised up into heaven and becomes an angel is taken to the community where her or his love is. When we arrive there, we feel as though we are in our own element, at home, back to our birthplace, so to speak. Angels sense this and associate there with kindred spirits. When they leave and go somewhere else, they feel a constant pull, a longing to go back to their kindred and therefore to their dominant love. This is how people gather together in heaven. The same applies in hell. So whatever you love there can gather you together. We may also Mm. gather that we are our love after death from the fact that anything that does not agree with our dominant love is then removed and apparently taken away from us. For good people, what is removed and apparently taken away is everything that disagrees and conflicts with the result that they are admitted to their love. It is much the same for evil people. Once this has happened, we constantly turn our faces toward our love and have it constantly before our eyes, no matter which way we face. So what we're trying Mm. to develop here is really more about that motivation, that disciple-ish motivation, that I am going to try to, and to follow the Lord is synonymous with to do what I believe is right here and to seek, seek the truth that would guide me in there and act the way I think I should act. That desire, cultivating that desire matters more than the particular results because in the end, uh, concepts are going to fall away and motivation is what's going to bring us to our spiritual home, which, which is a definition of who we are. Yeah, that humble sort of effort to follow, that willingness that Swedenborg sometimes identifies with innocence, doesn't he? Uh, that willingness to follow the Lord wherever the journey is going to take you. And so it's not about a destination situation. It's like the tabernacle in the Old Testament that you just like, okay, I'll just follow that pillar of fire or that the pillar of cloud and, and wh- wherever it takes us, uh, that's where we're going. And so uh, we get so caught up in, I want to be here. I want to be at this level. I want to be amazing and perfect or something like that. But this is just about just just make a start. The biggest change is from just making a little start, a movement in that direction. Right. And so there's one last little quote we have about that here. Regeneration continues all the way to the end of a person's life in the world. 
and afterward to eternity. It's important to start here. It's important to try to follow that stuff, but we're not going to be able to complete the process here. That, and so we don't even need to worry about it. But <laughs> when you're thinking about binding things and loosing things and heaven and on earth, if you're looking around your earth and you're feeling like there's a lot running around wild mm. that should not be, and there's a lot that should be leading that's, that's muffled or bound in some way, it's only through the, the, the Peter, starting with Peter, which is this willingness to listen and the truth that leads to charity. That's where we're going to start this church. And that's the thing in us that the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against. Because when we're in that motivation, moving towards that, prioritizing this, even if you get sidetracked, in the end, you're going to, you're going to win the war if, if you're going for that. That's, that's what mm-hmm. it is to become an angel. So keep chipping away in that direction. Oh, I like that. So, hey, that's a lot of stuff to process. Why don't we take a moment and, and do so through a little meditation? Okay, Jonathan, are you ready to meditate? I'm ready. We, and this is, this is, again, correspondences. This is called the Correspondences Meditation. We're telling you that the whole book, Bible, all the books in it, are written according to this universal, symbolic language is not maybe not even a strong enough word for it. It is mm. a facet of the divine design that this is, this communication by imagery is how the spiritual and natural world interact. So what we want to do is set you up with some concepts in your mind and then see some, some things that can help you, you know, have that sort of connect what you're seeing visually to what you're what you're pondering in your mind. Now, for this episode, that's difficult because what we want to talk about is qualities in ourselves. Mm. So if you think about the 12 disciples weren't perfect, they're making these mistakes, but they're willing to continue to follow the Lord, to keep learning. Think of what, what's it in you. I don't know what your disciples are. So what, and this is maybe time for us to reflect a little, where are those popping up? What are the qualities that are willing to continually try this thing, to keep turning to God, trying to understand through mistakes, um, and, and where have you maybe in the past seen, oh, this is where I feel like th- this part of me has allowed me to be guided into deeper clarity about what to hang on to and what to let go of. So we don't know what your qualities are, so we've just given some soothing abstract imagery in this one, but just let, it go, let that try to turn your mind toward, yeah, do, do I already have these disciples walking around, and, and where are they, and, and how can I pick them out a little more clearly so I can... You know, listen to them in the future. So here, just, just, just let things occur to you for a minute or two. cool thing is that Swedenborg describes a lot of displays like the ones you're seeing here as actually being representations of psychological phenomena made visible in the spiritual world. Who knows how those artists were inspired? It could be that actually a certain kind of love or faith can be portrayed like that just as it can be portrayed through objects we're more familiar with like animals and sunsets and those kinds of things. So hopefully that was good uh, for all of you. And I want to say something, Jonathan Rose. Uh, During this show, I totally forgot about coronavirus and and COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff. I just, I definitely got in the zone. And maybe that's showing that this kind of 
that is the disciples. Like this, this doing mm. this kind of thinking and mulling over this stuff with all of you leads me into these heavenly states where we're above the, the cares of uh, care for the morrow and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I like it. So, so it's fun. It's good. It's a good show. Thanks for doing it with me, Jonathan Rose. Hey, let's recap this. We've been in over a lot of ter- territory here. Yeah, what yeah. would you say, in your humble opinion, is the takeaway from this whole thing? Mm, that's a very good question. I think the um, uh, one thing I'm thinking about is how often it's the case on this show that you start out with something just weird from the Bible that just doesn't make sense, and somebody has a question about it. And it's like, what? You know, that makes no sense. And yet you feel like there's something in there. And then when we dig into it and we get a lot of help from Swedenborg, it's so beautiful to see, wow, that really hits home. There's a Peter quality in me. I'm really going to take away from this show that thought about, wow, there's a rock in there from the Lord. But there's a rock and there's something that you can count on in yourself from the Lord that will take you through. And, And hell can't prevail against that. And once you get those, and, and part of what I was thinking about the meditation was that the most beautiful things in some ways are are very simple. I mean, yes, there was a lot of complexity, but they were simple spirals, simple shapes, you know. Uh, I think there's a simplicity to just follow the Lord, you know, do the best you can. Think about love, think about compassion, uh, think about being useful and treating other people well. Um, that's it. And, and that decision in your outer self will create this heaven in both your inner self and your outer self eventually yeah man that's beautiful let's leave it on that note hey don't you want to be able to contribute to a world in which programming like this and thoughts like the ones we just heard can exist here's a quick clip on how you can support this nonprofit program We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, we depend on donor support to continue to create high quality programming. Any gift you give joins you to the central network of people in the world who make our work possible. You can deepen the significance of your gift by making it in memory or honor of someone special in your life. This could be done as a one-time gift, recurring monthly, or run as a special fundraiser for your circle of friends and family. Go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to make a gift in whatever way is most meaningful for you. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every day around the globe. We couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through in this way, in the end, everybody wins. Thank you to all of you out there who have supported us in the past. Another way quickly to support right now, like and subscribe. That helps the channel get out and do its metrics and all that sort of stuff. And then I think it's time to talk about just what we'll do, what we do when you guys do support us. And that is make lots of videos. And we got more coming Mm. up this week. Uh, News from Heaven. Our show is airing every Thursday and Saturday. On Thursday, News from Heaven is... Angels, and there's a little preview of all of our shows. Angels read our minds at different levels. Saturday, how to make evil spirits retreat and good ones move closer. Mm. Where else can you get that? Short clips. We asked you guys, what did you want to hear? And you said on Wednesday, we're going to do a short clip entitled, Why Should You Believe Swedenborg? Oh, look at that. Everyone's like, hey, why should you believe Swedenborg? (laughs) And then Friday, the lower earth. Next Monday... We have our panel Q&A show that is called Good Question, and we are going to uh, take the, the whole hour just to answer whatever's on your mind. And then the following Monday, the Monday after that, we, we conclude, or we begin, I was going to say conclude, but no, we begin a brand new season of Swedenborg in Life with our show, God Used a Specific Design to Create Heaven. We mentioned the divine design in this show. We are about to go heavily into divine design mania and all the benefits from that upcoming. Mm. Thanks, Jonathan Rose, for hanging out here. Hey, Curtis, it was so fun. Good. It was Uh, very diverting, wasn't it? It was wonderful. Don't leave me hanging here, man. Which hand? (laughs) I don't know which hand. (laughs) What have I got? (laughs) Uh, So thanks to all of you. Seriously.
how, how did we get so lucky that we get to gather with, with all of you and do this? It's because we all decided to gather together in the name. I mean, you think about the show. The spirit of it is in the name. I would say, uh, this is going to sound like it's quite a statement, but it's in the name of the Lord because what's the intent? Why are we getting together and talking about yeah. this stuff? It's because right. we're hoping it will affect the kind of change in us that will make us have a more positive impact on the people around us. So we wouldn't be able to do that without all of you coming at the programming in that same spirit so that we can make that programming. It's just fun. So thank you all. I hope you have a wonderful, joyful week, and we'll see you very soon. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>